Cavscorner.com. Your source. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of Cavscorner.com. Coming to you live from the place where Franklin State's in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, January the 30th. Uh, apparently, we're at the halfway-ish point of uh, the ACC basketball season. Cavaliers get an in- interesting um, win in Raleigh last night, 66-65 in overtime uh, against the uh, number 23-ranked North Carolina State Wolfpack uh, in a game that we will no doubt be talking plenty about here shortly. Um, we'll also, since it is sort of the halfway-ish point of the ACC season, um, and because we do get a full show before Virginia plays Duke, they get a nice week off between Saturday's game in Miami, uh, against Miami, rather, and, and then hosting Duke on February the 9th. Um, so we will, we'll talk about that game next week. Uh, since, since it's the halfway point, we're going to talk about the, um, the ACC as a, as a whole and, and sort of where things are. I mean, we're, basically, we're just going to spoil Ferber's um, power rankings that'll be out tomorrow, or I guess as you listen to it later today. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I always like to try to, to, to spoil whatever Ferber's writing. I think it's always fun. You know, make him talk about his scores and, and, and whatnot before he actually writes a preview. It's great that way. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. Up in uh, Fishersville, David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing much better than I was like 23 hours ago. <laughs> I mean, that was <laughs> stress level much much lower tonight. Uh, Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And up in Arlington, the aforementioned Justin Ferber, also on the program. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Brad. Um, just it didn't get booed today, so that was nice. Um, <laughs> heard a lot of it last night, though. So, you know, just going to see if I can make it through the show without getting booed mercilessly by NC State fans. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And uh, Cavs Corner, also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, content items, and occasional witty banter. Um so my sister, I'm going to start with a story about the booing. So my sister is a UVA grad, uh, lives in Raleigh. She and a friend um, who's a big state fan uh, went to the game last night. And I go up at halftime to visit. And and so I, I, I've said this before on the pod, but like PNC is the one place in the conference that like I get a little bit like uh, – I don't want to say unnerved, but like it's just a like it's the only place where like when it gets loud, there's just a part of there's a there's a fight or flight instinct that kicks in. And I'm like, oh wait, and this doesn't seem right, you know? Like it just it's loud and it just feels fr- like there's this weird energy in the room and it just feels weird. Um, so last night, and, and this was before <laughs> they're throwing stuff on the court or whatever, um, and then Keats gets on the mic and has to tell him to calm down basically, and then they respond with a ref, you suck" chant. Um, so I said something about that, right? I said, like, yeah, this is the craziest building. Like, people focus on camera, but to me, PNC is the is the one that, like, freaks me out the most. And, and she was like, what do you mean that people aren't going to, like, you know, punch you or anything? <laughs> and I was like, well, no, I don't expect them to, you know, throw in elbows or anything. But it was more like, you know, just like I, I – sometimes that place gets loud and you feel like the thing might crumble around you. And that's never happened to me. I mean, like, JPJ gets loud. I, I'll never forget that Syracuse game several years ago when they – locked up at the ACC and there have been a lot of loud moments but man PNC Arena does it's just on a whole other other level um and for Virginia to go in there last night uh not play very well at all like in really any facet of the game and come out with a win I think it, it that's a um, a big moment Dave you mentioned you're feeling better now than you were this time last night um how how much has have you been able to process? You you said you joked on Twitter that you weren't going to be rewatching this one. My have you are confirmed? I'm, yeah. <laughs> so uh, 
now you are 24 hours removed. Do has, has, have you gotten over that stress? Because I mean, this was that was a stressful game. It was str- it was it was stressful in like weird ways. Yeah. Um, have you gotten over it yet? Uh, yeah, I'm over. I mean, um, part of that is just we've been spoiled. Like, we've had so many blowouts, um, not just this year, but over the last five years. You know, we joke all the time during these, you know, just smacking teams by 20 on the road that, boy, it sure is nice to be a Virginia fan. It's just a reminder, like, it's not always that easy. Um, but you're also you're also not used to it, right? So it, it, it and the way it happened, you know, Virginia got out to that lead in the second half and looked like the stress was gone. And then, oh, here it comes. <laughs> it's right back. Um, now, being there, Brad, you miss, like, what I think added to the stress was the game was one thing, but and Justin, you watched it on TV, right? Um, like the, I did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the some reason the sound was really weird in that game. Like the announcers were over everything, so even though you could tell the building was loud, it didn't come through the audio. All you could hear was recent Lafonso Ellis. Yeah, it was almost comments. like it was almost like they had the stadium, like the arena mics turned down. And then at one point in the second half, it got really loud. And I was like, shouldn't it have been loud this whole time? But I was looking at all the tweets where people were like, it's really loud in here. But it, yeah, it didn't really come through on yeah. TV as well. Yeah, and it just yeah, it's just a total package last night. Um, was was a stressful event, but I have re- recovered. Um, a lot of that's probably due to the fact that we pulled off the win. And I think too, like. Um, if you think about a game like that in an, in an arena like that and they're up by 14 and then like, I, I think the fact that NC state really like they, they only took the lead in overtime and they are only like in the lead for like 18 seconds or something for them to, but it just sort of felt like it just sort of felt like the bad was coming. You know what I mean? Like it was sort of like stalking you a little bit and you know what I mean? Like, it was behind you. It was behind you. It was. It was just. It was. It was just a question of when. It was just a question of when, and and then it sort of never did. And they just kept making just enough. That, like they just got just enough to 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 stay out in front. And when they lost the lead, they got it right back, um, off a of Jay Huff alley oop, and one, which, and one, yeah, which you know still, which I, I think was the first foul state had been called for since the throwing incident. Oh, I'm gonna have to look um, that up while, while yeah. Ferber's talking in a second. They went like nine minutes without a foul call after that. Um, Ferber, you are usually the more reserved of the three of us. Um, you certainly reading the preview didn't seem to be too worried about it. We, the three of us talked yesterday during the day. None of us seemed to be too worried about it. What? What is, is that? Just a function of the turnovers plus the offensive rebounds, or is it more? Is there is there more there there to you? I mean, I think those are the big things. It just was a, you know, a collaborative effort of, um, you know, we kind of have talked about, you know, that tech game a few weeks ago where it was like everybody was on at the same time and you kind of saw what the ceiling for this team could be. I think we kind of saw what the floor was on uh, Tuesday night just because nobody really played well. Um, I mean, different guys had good moments. Uh, DeAndre obviously led the team in scoring. Kyle hit the big three in overtime. But then, you know, like DeAndre makes the big foul at the end that almost costs him and sends him to double overtime without him. Um, you know, nobody played a perfect game. Uh, Ty played all right at times and then at times kind of seemed a little off. Um, obviously, Jack racked up a bunch of fouls early and uh, Mamadi, you know, kind of didn't play as much as I thought he would. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was just kind of an off night for everyone and, and the turnovers and the road environment and everything kind of added together to make the 
recipe for a loss, but they still were able to avoid it. And, you know, if you look at what happened, it's easy to say, like, they played really bad and they're lucky to have won. And in some ways that's true, but they also played really well in the overtime period at time, like to get the lead. And unfortunately, that three at the end kind of overshadowed or the foul on the three, I mean, um, kind of overshadowed the fact that they, they got it together in overtime and got some stops when they needed to and were able to kind of recapture the game after going down three to start the period. But, yeah, I think um, the turnovers, giving up the second chance points, we talked about it a little bit last night. I think that one of the good things, like complimentary of NC State, is that I, I think the the term like play hard gets thrown around a lot, and I thought that they did play hard. Um, I also thought that they were not afraid to kind of get after it and try to create chaos with loose ball situations on those rebounding. Uh, opportunities because I mean I think some of those rebounds were in UVA's grasp and then they lost them because State was trying to make plays to knock the ball away stuff that a lot of teams won't try to do because they don't want to pick up cheap fouls so um, you know obviously UVA kind of got exploited on the glass in the first half of that Duke game and then again on Tuesday especially in the first half of this game um, I don't think that this is like the new norm for the team I think they played well below their standard uh but obviously if you can do that and then still win on the road against a ranked team that's a pretty good thing i mean if you look around the conference which we will later in this podcast like you know duke had to beat florida state on a buzzer beater on the road um north carolina hasn't really been challenged of late but you know they they got beaten badly by louisville um and then the other you know everybody in the league has to face these kind of games throughout the season so i mean it's good to be able to learn these lessons in a win rather than a loss. I think that's the part that I <clears throat> I focused on. You know, like I look, I, I drove back last night. I got I got back at like two a.m. Uh, I'm gonna do my best not to yawn on this year program. I, I did get a nap this afternoon, but man, I am uh, I'm feeling it. Um, but no, the, on the drive back last night, I, I thought a lot about the idea of being lucky to win and learning from a from a win. Uh, even when you probably shouldn't have won, and I and I and I think I said to you guys, you know, it, I I kind of like the fact that they they had a lot that they came out they needed to work on. I mean, listen, it it's in everybody's best interest, both fans and those of us who own websites where there are message boards, for everything to go along just swimmingly, right? Smooth sailing, right? The the Wake and, and Notre Dame games were uh, in no way, shape, or form stressful. There was no. Um, there was just no doubt about what was about to happen and what was happening and what had happened. I wrote those take twos and it's, you know, when you talk about what can you take from this, this game and, and, and you're sort of, well, not a whole lot, but this is interesting because I think they got really tested by a team that played a little bit above its station. Um, I, I don't think NC state is terrible, but I don't think they're as good as maybe uh, pushing UVA to the to the brink in overtime would make them look. Um, I, I thought that Virginia was very un-Virginia-like. You know, it, I kept seeing everybody talking on Twitter, you know, it's sloppy. I didn't think it necessarily was sloppy. I thought that it was just not crisp. And the reason I draw a distinction there is because I think NC State had a lot to do with why UVA was turning the ball over. But I also thought UVA just it, – it, it, they were just not um, – they weren't hapless, right? When I think sloppy, I think like, you know, guys throwing the ball seven rows out of bounds and, you know, that kind of thing. A lot of these passes that were were passes that normally are there, right? They were there against Wake and they were there, you know, those catches were there against Notre Dame. They just weren't there last night. There was a dude who just happened to be standing there. 
and it was almost like a quarterback who like loses a dude in 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 zone um i think that's an adjustment virginia has to make sometimes it sometimes i think they're so they're so caught up in their own rhythm right there there's a cadence to the offense you know you catch you turn and you and you pass that sometimes you're, you're you just don't even think about oh yeah that guy could just you know jump in the passing lane and, and then we're in trouble um now another thing is i sat this is one of the few venues in the acc still that allow you to sit on the floor so i got to sit you know media is is right next to the um to the baseline in in raleigh and dude i'm gonna be honest with you i came away from this game utterly uh not i didn't even know the word the right word um i would just say profoundly sorry for all the 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 gus i give officials there is no way, there's almost no way to call a game right because those dudes are beating the crap out of each other. I saw probably 15 or 16 fouls and first half when, when State was shooting on that end and then second half when UVA was that didn't get called. And there were a lot of times last night where I thought, um, you know, UVA was the aggressor and got away with something. And then definitely times in the second half, especially when I thought NC State was the aggressor and got away with something. DeAndre Hunter, you know, dudes are grabbing his arms left and right. And he's he's much bigger now. He's stronger. But he's not that he's not to the point where that doesn't knock him off his path. And how many times I saw him, you know, an, an errant hand grab his arm and, he, you know, he's, he, his movement stops. There were several loose balls where, where State's just more active, to Ferber's point. Like, they're just not – they don't – they don't. They're not afraid to foul. And last night was one of those nights where they didn't get called for a lot of those fouls, or they just didn't care and they got cal- they got called for however many fouls they got called for. But they just kept playing the same style. And so as I as I sort of think about this team going forward, one, I think they have to be you know more sound with the ball. Tony mentioned in post game, you know, the idea of um, that a lot of times guys were jumping instead of getting position. Um, I thought that was definitely a thing. The Walker kid shouldn't be, you know, doing everything he did. Um, he's, I mean, not, not trying to throw shade at the kid. I just don't think he's, you know, he's not, um, you know, he's not Howell, like, like Tony mentioned, uh, last night, but I just thought overall, there were a lot of that Virginia at times wasn't the team being more aggressive and they have to be. Um, and I think that's a big lesson that they'll they'll learn in film. Dave, when you think about this game going forward, what are some of the takeaways for you about what UVA needs to improve on or tweak or change going forward? I mean, I think much like the Duke game, um, you know, Duke and NC State are probably two of the fastest tempo teams we've played that, that are similar talent-wise. Um, well, Duke's probably better. NC State's probably not quite as good. But you know what I'm saying? Like ACC-caliber teams that play – with tempo, I think NC State's like 19th or something, and Duke's probably just above them. But they're guys who want to get up and down the floor. And I think when you watch the way they handled us, like they know, especially being on the road, the last thing Virginia wants to do is make the game their tempo. So I think they're really aggressive on the offensive boards because they know we're not going to try to break out and get the game going fast. And they're really aggressive on the initial defense. Like they're overplaying stuff because they know even if you get beat, they're probably not going to drive in and score because they want to kind of dictate the tempo, especially early in the game. Um, and I think in the second half, when we got that lead, you saw us kind of take advantage of that. And then we backed off a little bit as they put the press on and they were able to make the run. So I don't know how you tweak that and stay true to who you are other than being a little more sure with the ball. Um, 
all that, you know, even with all that pressure, you figure, I think Virginia turned over 16 times last night, which is about twice their average. So just they shot over 50% from the field, if I remember correctly. So you figure if they played their average, they win that game by what, eight, 10 points? <laughs> no problem. Just doing, even dealing with the very good ball pressure from NC State. Um, I, I do think the thing that hurt us the most last night, and I don't like pitting anything on particular players, but the way they were playing defense, you know, kind of took us out of a rhythm. You know, Kyle's much better off the dribble than he used to be, but his strength is still as a rhythm shooter coming off screens. And they kind of took that away for much of the game, um, which meant you needed to, you needed to rely on guys like Dre and, and Ty to dribble drive. And they, neither one of them had a great game as far as decision-making and ball handling. Um, even some of the non-turnovers Ty had weren't the best pass decisions. Like, I think Tony said in the postgame, his back was stiff. But, um, you know, when, when your two best dribble drive guys are struggling against a team that's kind of forcing you to, it doesn't surprise you that the game is much closer than you anticipated. Um, but I don't want to cheapen what NC State does. Like, I, we said when Keats got hired, like, that's a guy who could eventually be a problem for us. And I do like his system, and he's recruiting the right guys. And with Markel Johnson back, like, that's going to be a tough out, and I know we're going to talk about the ACC later, but that's a team I, I like a lot as the season goes on. Um, I think at home, Virginia probably handles them a little better, but on the road, that was a, a tough game. And when you're uncharacteristically sloppy with the ball and not willing to kind of take advantage of some of the stuff early, I, I think it does put you at a hindrance. But I don't know that you can, you know, I think you got to stay true to who you are. That's won you a lot of games. Two things. One, um, I do think there's a there's a certain level of like they get up 14 about to go into the under 12 and there's a certain contentment that comes. Right. But that was also about the time when like Huff had that dunk where he he basically I mean, he was I mean, I mean, dude has this knack for making he has this why it's like every time he dunks it's like, oh, you realize like he's incredibly long. Um, Ty had scored um, on a drive and then and he hit the three to put him up 14 um, but state came out of the under 12 and I, I do think that had that game been in Charlottesville, that's probably not like, I think that would have been like, okay, you know, like they're, they're on their run, but Virginia sort to Dave's point, didn't necessarily keep that foot on the gas. I just thought more, more than that though. I thought NC state really just, you know, just really executed. Um, Daniel scores on a drive, then Bryce scores in transition, um, which was only at that point, I think, State's second transition basket. Um, and you're talking, at that point, it's barely 11 minutes left in, in the second half. But then Virginia goes from the 12-12 mark with Ty's three-pointer until Dre's jumper was 7:38. They go without a field goal. Now, they hit three or four free throws in there, but State went on a run. And those runs, um, you can't have those when you turn the ball over 16 times. You can't have those when you give up 16 offensive rebounds, 17 second chance points. And I think that's the thing that I'm I'm trying to like balance in my head, Ferber, is that like it was such not a typical UVA game, but it is exactly the type of game that Virginia has lost in the tournament. Does that make sense? Like where you you get a team who just like kind of doesn't care, like they they don't give a crap, and they just play you hard, and they be, they're physical, and maybe the whistles don't go your way, and you're never able to find your rhythm, and you can't find your jump shots. You know, they don't have any like super remarkable, you know, one guy who is doing everything. It's just sort of like a, you know, a nice group effort. 
Um, I'm encouraged by the fact that Virginia figured out a way to win this game. Um, I thought DeAndre, today's point about you know your dribble drive guys weren't having a good game. I thought Dre was good going to the rim. Um, you know he missed a couple. They missed some bunnies early, um, but overall I thought they were pretty good going to the basket. Uh, did that feel like a like a tournament sort of result to you? Even though it, you know they had NC State on their jersey, Ferber, how did that? How did what did you take away from that? Yeah, I mean, it felt more like a tournament-type game just because it was close, and we haven't seen a lot of close UVA games recently. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's kind of close to what you would see in a postseason game. Like, the, a team that is built like NC State is is the kind of team that can give you trouble. You know, they're versatile. They can kind of switch stuff. They can make threes. Uh, they can get out in transition. They, yeah, like you said, they don't really care. Like, they'll, they'll, they'll play hard. You know, they'll force turnovers. Uh, you know, it's funny that for a long time, UVA was kind of seen as a team that kind of liked to muddy the waters in games and make things more physical and kind of like, you know, grit and grind type games than a lot of, you know, like UNC type teams that they would play. You know, that's not the way they want to play. They want to get out and run and make layups and do stuff. Um, I honestly thought NC State did that to UVA last night. I mean, they kind of took UVA out of what's been successful for them offensively and, and made them kind of earn in a different sort of way you know you know grind through an ugly game that you know, was in the balance for a long portion of the game I mean and UVA got away from them at one point but but State was able to whittle it back just by you know they got hot from three and then made a couple turnovers and, and just kind of whittled away at it um that was a little discouraging and and it kind of is a reminder that every team UVA like every team isn't you know infallible um anybody can lose uh, if you don't play well and the other team kind of rises to the occasion. And obviously in March, it's every game is going to be two teams fighting for their season. So I think you're going to see the effort from everybody. But, I mean, I don't think UVA is going to play at that level in most games. Um, they've played other teams that try to speed you up, try to you know get out and play defense in the full court. But they've been able to deal with it. And I think on, on Tuesday night, they just didn't do as good of a job as they have in other games. And obviously the road environment probably had something to do with that. But um, I think that I'm not discouraged because of it, just because I think that UVA can still play a lot better. I mean, they didn't make a three in the first half. That's kind of crazy to me. And they only attempted one. So, I mean, I think that yeah, it it's kind of shows you what the recipe for doom would be, but I don't think we're going to see VA play at that level against a lot of teams going forward. But obviously in March, you have to be ready for this sort of a game any time it comes up, just like they had to be ready for UNCW a couple of years ago when they made UVA kind of get out of what they like to do and uh, play five guards, basically, and then they were able to do that. But yeah, you're going to be able to, you're going to have to deal with anything like this in any round of the tournament. I think one one real quick, Dave. I want to I want to focus on on Kihei Clark for a second. So uh, my buddy Joe uh, Giulio from the uh, News and Observer tweeted it basically that that basically Clark's not an ACC player, and he and I talked a little bit about it in the in the uh, in the hallway after. And and I understand his point. I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand it. If you want to win a national championship, you can't play four on five. And having him on the floor while he might make some contributions here and there sort of puts you in that position. And and I do think that there's a, a certain logic to that in the sense that Miami, when they play Miami on Saturday, Chris Likes is a perfect matchup for, for Kihei, you would think, and so that's going to be a fun thing to watch. But when they play Duke, like, what are you going to do with Kihei? Well, we saw, like, they weren't really able to do much with him. In this game, he plays 22 minutes. Um, he's 0 for 2 from the field. 
He has one rebound. He's got an assist. No turnovers, which is good. Um, but he's minus six. Now, I'm not going to make a um, definitive statement on plus minus because Braxton Key was minus six, and his eight team high or game high eight rebounds were imp- important. Um, you know, he 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 made some contributions. My question to you, Dave, and we'll get to the ACC in a second, but the more I've been thinking about this since yesterday, and I'm not really sure where I come down on it. I don't I don't think that there's not a place for, for Kihei in the rotation. Um I, I just don't know what Tony should do with Kihei. I like I'm not really sure you know, I know he wants to have the extra ball handler. Uh, having him out there allows Ty to play off ball. Um but on a night when you're not really on a night when you're not really when your offense is not in, in any sort of rhythm, does does it make much sense to to have him out there for that long or would they have been better off to try to get, you know, a you know, some of those big minutes get key in the game a little bit more. I mean, he played 31 minutes, but part of that's because of foul trouble. Um, you know, Huff ends up playing just 15. Um, could you have played him a little bit more if you have some of those minutes from Clark? Um, do you think that Virginia needs to sort of tweak the way that they use Clark, or do you like sort of where that groove is right now? I mean, I'm fine with it. I mean, he didn't have a, a great game last night, but I think you know, he he was good with the ball at least. I mean, he didn't he didn't initiate a lot of offense, but he didn't turn the ball over, which is more than anyone else on the team can say. Um, you know, Markell kind of took advantage of him on defense a couple of times, which was a little more surprising to me than than his ineffectiveness on offense. But I think last night he also got on the floor a lot with Jack, and like I like Kihei better when he's the fifth option, and I think with Jack it's kind of. I think it's more three on five, not no offense to either one of them. Like Kihei can make an open shot, but when Jack's on the floor, he's probably not getting it. Um, and I think that's one of the, I, I do think Kihei has a role with the team and it's going to be some nights where it's bigger than others, depending on matchups. Um, yeah, likes, yeah, I think you nailed it. Like likes is a good one. Um, I think Kihei can give you some minutes on Trey Jones, but you've kind of, also got to play him because there's not, you know, tr- clearly Tony doesn't trust Marco Anthony to get many guard minutes. And I mean, I think Kyle Dre and Ty were over 38 minutes last night. So, you know, they're your primary ball handler. So you got to get something out of Kihei. Um, I like the guy. I'm not going to make a decision on one game. Cause I think he had what 12 against Notre Dame. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I thought Joe's tweet was a little harsh having, yeah, I don't think you can see someone once because to me, Braxton Beverly's not an ACC player. If Kihei's not, I mean, they, they were both pretty bad last night. And um, he just hit a game winner. <laughs> yeah, and he just hit a game winner. So I think he just, you know, I, I think his tweet was a little over the top. Like I could say I can question it, but he he made the definitive he's not. Um, but um, the other point I was going to make, I forgot to bring it up earlier, was you know because what was weird last night is with the foul trouble. You know, we clearly needed to to drive the ball a lot, but with Mamadi getting into some foul trouble and Jack and you know and on DeAndre at some points, um, like you always had to have like it, it never seemed we were able to go small because of the foul trouble and the offensive rebound issues, which we needed to drive the ball the way they were playing us, but we always had one of our bigs in who were cl- clogging the lane, um, so it was just a weird night. And the one thing I know Justin and I get on these stats kicks sometimes. I would love to know, like, I would guarantee you, having not even thought about this until we're in the podcast here, if you chart the number of dribbles Virginia has 
versus the result of the games, I guarantee you, like, the games Virginia loses, they've got a lot more dribbles. Because last night they dribbled a lot more than I've seen them this year. Um, even against the press. You know, they did a lot of times they'll pass to beat the press. And last night it was, you know, it was dribbling up the sods and so much more dribbling the ball in the half court. Um, that'll probably be end up, I'll probably end up doing that at some point. <laughs> You're going to start counting dribbles? Yeah, let's start counting. No, you yeah, know they, what you should do is you should pay NBA. for the Synergy Sports uh, membership. Because Rivals oh, yeah. isn't going to hook me up with that like they did Pro Football Focus, I'm guessing. But, I mean, look, you want to do that for the good of the podcast, dude. We are all about that. Yeah, I'm going to cash my podcast paycheck and pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Ferber, what do you think? You, what would you – how would you tw- – would you tweak anything? Do you like the role that Clark has right now? Do you think that it's a problem at all? What are your thoughts? I agree with what Dave said. I think that him and Salt on the floor at the same time is just weird. It's just – yeah, it's three against – it's just three guys that can score and then two guys that can maybe contribute in smaller ways um, on the offensive end. And I just – against most ACC teams, that's not going to work. I just disagree with Joe's point because he just had a big game on Saturday at, at Notre Dame, and, and he's not going to have a huge role in every game because of his physical limitations, to be quite honest with you, and the fact that he's a young player. But I don't think – I mean, honestly, like, let's be honest. He probably saw him and was like, look at this guy. He doesn't look like yeah, an I mean, ACC player, which is exactly pretty, what I thought when early. they recruited him. Yeah, like, well, what a lot, yeah that's true. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if he, if he had – his tweet literally sums up my thought when Tony recruited him. Like, perfectly. I was like, I don't really know where he's going with this. I don't think this dude. But then as you started to see his senior tape, and then obviously once you saw him in the blue-white scrimmage and then in games, you could kind of see what they were thinking. Um, and because I was – go ahead. And I was going to say, and if nothing else, even if you think that he can't be a full-time, you know, 34-minute-a-game guy, right, what he, can, what he does do, though, is he gives them the availability to press, right? Because you can put him at the head of the spear, and they're and they have that in their they have that in their bag now in a way that they didn't last year. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I think that he brings something that UVA doesn't really have, and that's somebody that can give you pressure in the full court. I mean, Ty doesn't do that. Other guys in the backcourt don't really do that. I've seen Kyle do it at times every once in a while, but Kihei can consistently do that after made baskets, and I think that. It brings a different element to the lineup, and I think that Tony, you know, he knows what he's doing with him. Like, yeah, is he going to be the sixth scoring option on the team, you know, coming off the bench? No, probably not. Um, But, I mean, he can still contribute in other ways, and and I didn't think he had a very good game, so I don't think that Joe probably feels that his opinion is, you know, was wrong, but I think over the course of his UVA career, he'll prove himself to be a pretty good ACC player. Right. All right. But Justin, how do you feel about my stats thing, man? You're my stats nerd, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you watched yeah. the game. Did you feel like they dribbled a lot more than normal last night? Yeah, well, I felt like they uh I felt like they got into some I, and I haven't I don't know what the average length of possession was, but it felt like the they were running down the shot clock a lot more than they normally do. Even early in the game where they were getting baskets, like I think they they made their first what at five field goals or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it took them a while to get to ten points because you know it just they just weren't able to. It felt like they were dribbling around a lot. Yeah. The possession length was twenty two seconds. They scored a, a point per point uh, yeah. nine eight. Um, twenty two seconds is a long time because yeah. UVA's average is like twenty or something, yeah. and they play slower than anyone. Yeah. Um, before we before we jump to ACC, I, I do want to say this. I want to. I mean, look. We have been, I, I would think it's, I don't think we've been Jay Huff haters, 
by any stretch. I think we've just been realistic in a way that sometimes other folks weren't. I'm ready for Jay Huff to have more minutes. Um, uh, whatever he physically can do, I, I want him to do. Um, I, I especially in a game like that where, like, I know Tony's kind of stuck in, a, in in between a rock and a hard place, right? Because on the one hand, there's not a whole lot of screening that's going to help. They're not. You know, it's not a night when screening is a, is going to be a big thing, but at the same time, the Walker kid's really beating you up on the offensive glass, and you sort of needed Salt's body in there, if for nothing else. I, I think you, in a game like that, I think it would have been great to put to 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 give a lot of it's, you know Salt played 18 minutes, but most of that's because of foul trouble. Um, I, I mean, I would like to have seen Huff well over 20 minutes in this game, um, and I'm ready for him to get more minutes. I'm not saying he needs to start, but I just think that he. He makes these contributions, and that hustle play where he dove for that ball and then ran and broke up that alley oop like that's that that's a that's a like a watershed sort of moment for me just because effort is not something you can coach right it's it, and I know that's very cliche and I apologize, but when a kid when a kid who's that big and maybe not necessarily um coordinated but for him to get to cover that much space as as quickly as he did. It really sort of it sort of scratched the surface of that potential, and I just think the kid needs more more opportunities, and more experience. I think he's earned it. I think he's played his butt off. Um, I think he he does bring something different to the table. Um, yeah, there are moments when when guys move around and he's got to work harder because he's he can't keep his position, so he's got to keep moving and 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 get back to where he, you know to get back in that position, and he's got to keep moving when a guy moves him. Um, but man, I, I, I think, I think the kid deserves more minutes. What do you guys think, Dave? Sorry, I've hit the wrong mute button there. Uh, <laughs> no, I was saying, like, I, I do think he deserves more minutes. I'm, I, I think I'm going to lean, I'm going to lean on my trusted Tony here and Mike Curtis, and I'm going to assume it's still a, a stamina issue. Like we talked about in the last podcast. Um, but I don't know how you make that issue better without playing like um you know practice stamina is one thing game stamina is a little bit different um based on my expert opinion the uh what i'd like to see but i'm also torn like you know in a game like last night i would have liked to i think last night he should have gotten a few more minutes especially as well as he played um i can see like so you have you have this this double-edged sword you have can jay get the stamina he needs without playing, right? But you also have the, if we don't need Jay to have the stamina now, can we work on the stamina in practice and have him fresh for March and April? Um, and so uh, I'm kind of somewhere in between. I, I'd like to like to see him get more minutes, but not at the expense of, um, not, not at the expense of costing us later. So I'm going to, I'm going to lean on Mike Curtis right now and, and, and trust that Tony's seen enough to give him more minutes and see if it happens. So we've we've got one small uh, issue here. Ferber apparently lost internet, so I'm gonna uh, move us into the um, into the ACC portion of the of the conversation. If he returns, if we're able to get him back, we will. If not, um, he bids you all a farewell for the week. Um, so the ACC, we, we're like I said, we're we're about halfway through. It it seems to me like a two team race, um, at least in terms of sort of where. Uh, things are at least as of right now. Now, granted, you're listening to this on Thursday. There have been some games from Wednesday night. Um, I'm not really sure that any of them will change things. But in terms of where things are in the ACC, 
you know, I think it's it's Duke and, and Virginia, and then maybe Carolina, um, and then a whole bunch of teams. Now Louisville, Virginia Tech, right there. Um, I think there's just a bigger group at the bottom, maybe that many of us expected. Dave, in terms of where you thought the league would be, where do you where do you think it is now? I mean, it's at the top. I think it's where I thought it would be. Um, you know, Virginia, Duke, and I think Carolina is right below it. Um, there's there's a few surprises. Uh, <clears throat> I thought NC State would be pretty good, and I think by the end of the year, NC State will be better than they are right now. Um, and Louisville is probably my Louisville's really good. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to sound like I'm overreacting, and maybe I am, but I really like what Chris Mack's done there. Uh, that team is playing harder, and I'm interested to see how we match up with them over our couple of meetings. Um, Virginia Tech, I'm still – I was high on Virginia Tech, unlike you, Brad, until we uh, kind of did what we did to them at JPJ. Um, I still think they're a little bit too reliant on the three-point shot. Um, but the bottom of the ACC is so much worse than I thought it would be. There, there's some it bad really teams is. down there. I mean, it really is. I mean, yeah. so, Wake, Notre Dame, I mean, Miami now, now that Hernandez is definitely not going to play um, – you know, those are bad teams. And, and you know, BC right now is three and five in the league. Um, I'm not really sure. Excuse me. Uh, Georgia Tech is three and five in the league, and I'm not really sure where they got three wins from. Um, just basically, I guess, f- uh, feeding off the bottom. But ultimately, I think, you know, some of this will shake out because we, we, obviously we're getting Virginia Duke round two. We'll get two Virginia, I mean, excuse me, Duke and Carolina. Um, you know, Virginia's schedule, at least as it shapes up right now, they get the week off before Duke, and then they get Carolina um, for the one time they'll play them. Um, Virginia gets Notre Dame twice, which is just savage. Virginia has to play Louisville twice within the span of less than a month. Um, you, but Virginia does get Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, and then that uh, Syracuse game in Syracuse. So overall, I just look at I look at the schedule that Virginia has at least, and I think all right, not a whole lot on here um, to be, you know, too terribly worried about you, you, the teams that you. You know, it's Duke, it's Carolina, and Louisville twice. Those are the big, you know, to me, they're big games. But, like, there's some there's some yuck on the schedule, too. They get Miami, obviously, who Kim Palm has above 100 right now. And then, you know, they get uh, Notre Dame again at 93, Georgia Tech's at 86. Uh, Pitt would be interesting. I think Pitt might be, I mean, in a year where everything is kind of gone, at least at the top, as we might have expected, um, aside from Florida State being um, – Bobo and everybody, um, maybe not necessarily expecting that. Pitt's got to be the surprise team of the league, right, Dave? Uh, at least until last night when they laid a big fat egg. <laughs> um, and they got smoked last night. Clemson was up 42 to 18 in the first quarter last night. Uh, I mean, the first half last night. Um, so I, mean, I keep thinking the same thing. And then I look and Pitt's like two and six, right? Um, I do think they're much better, but you know, you're comparing them to garbage juice that they were last year i mean they were terrible last year um honestly like you know fsu you know florida state georgia tech bc clemson pitt wake notre dame miami like i think florida state's probably the class of that bottom half um i think florida state you know they they were a little less impressive than we thought they would be out of the gate but they played some really tough teams and i think they had a little hangover from that um I think they'll be coming around around tournament time. To me, I think to me the surprise of the year so far is is between Louisville and Syracuse, and um, 
Like I, I knew Chris Mack was a, a good coach. I, and I, I don't know. Louisville hasn't played the big boys yet. Um, they play, they beat Carolina. Was it Carolina that beat them pretty handily, I believe? Um, or I got that backwards. Uh, no, Louisville. So Louisville beat State, Pitt. They got and they smoked Carolina. Yeah. So right. I would have, I would have to give them a, as my surprise. But um, so, but the teams I'm keeping an eye on it as the year goes on, the ones I think would be much better by ACC tournament time would be NC State and Syracuse. They're not terrible now, but I think they'll be even better by then. Doesn't look like we're going to be able to get Ferber back on the show tonight. Uh, for some reason, I I lost uh, I, I lost the ability to add him back to the to the call, and the the system won't let me won't let me do it. So, um, I think that's a pretty good place to put a pin in. I think we expect, like we were talking about before, Duke and Virginia are going to be the class of the league. I, I'm surprised a little bit to see Louisville having so much success, but I'm also this is going to sound bad, but I'm also not really sure what to make of their success, right? Because they beat Miami pretty handily to start league play. Uh, they, then they lose to Pittsburgh in overtime. Okay. But then they've rolled off five straight wins, including the, uh, a pretty dominant win over Pitt um, and a solid win over NC State. Um, they get Wake Forest uh, tonight in, in a game I'm sure they're dominating. But then they get Carolina, uh, Virginia yeah, Tech, 62 Florida 62 to 29 right now. Jesus. <laughs> so then they get Carolina Tech, Florida State, Duke, um, and then they have a stretch where they get Clemson, Syracuse and Virginia, and they got to play Virginia obviously twice in a month as well. So, um, and that, according to Ken Palm, is the um, number one team in the country. So, Louisville's probably the one team that maybe across the league is surprising me the most. I'm still, I, I still am shocked that Pittsburgh is as good under Capel in year one as, as they are. Um, but that's also not a team that I would expect to, to challenge. Louisville could really make some noise. And if Chris Mack's going to turn that thing around that quick, I mean, hey. Um, I guess that's good for the league, but for you know Virginia fans who have to play them twice, not so much. But overall, I just think the league is super top heavy. Um, you know, you got these two two top five teams. Carolina's not too terribly far behind, but they're not really in that upper tier either. Um, and overall, I think Carolina to me is the team that has maybe the most potential given where they were. I mean, you look at what Carolina looked like. I mean, not even like you know what. Um, two weeks ago, right? When they get, they get the crap kicked out of them by Louisville. I mean, that's their only loss since, you know, early December or excuse me, uh, late December. Um, but they also have, I mean, they, they've beaten up on Pittsburgh, NC state, Notre Dame, Miami. Um, they beat up on Virginia tech, uh, in that game that blew everybody's mind. And then they've beaten Georgia tech. So they haven't played the real top, top of the, of, of the league either. They haven't played UVA, haven't played Duke either time. Um, they get Louisville obviously on Saturday, which ought to be a really good one. So we'll learn a little bit about Carolina this week and certainly we'll learn a lot about them going forward. But overall, I mean, it's just a really top heavy year. Um, and the bottom yeah. is super low, super. Yeah, low. I, I think next Saturday, you know, if Duke wins at, in Virginia, at Virginia next Saturday, um, well, Saturday week, um, I think they probably wrap up the regular season title just the way the season's played out. I could see him losing again, but then you'd have the top break over Virginia. Not that there's an official regular season, um, <laughs> but yeah. But but honestly, whoever wins that game probably ends up winning the regular season title. No like, doubt, a game in early you know early February. Yeah. Um, if you are someone who found the podcast through the website, I want to say thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you get your shows, and uh, give us a review. That always helps us to to get out in front of more people. The show has grown. 
I mean, the last like month has, has grown exponentially. And uh, if you are someone who has helped that happen, thank you very much for everything you do. Um, now, if you're somebody who's found the pod but you haven't given us a look at the site, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Right now you can read my take two following the win over NC State. That's where I break down the, the results and the player of the game and tell you – uh, basically, I give you two takes, right? Why did UVA win and what does it mean for them uh, going forward? Uh, I got a video on the site of DeAndre Hunter talking about the state win, talking about his game against the Wolfpack, those free throws he hit late, and, and, and yeah, that foul of Markel Johnson on that three-pointer. Um, and then as you listen to this coming up later today, Ferbal will have his uh, updated ACC power rankings and then tomorrow uh, the preview for the Miami game. Um, so again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuous support to show. And I also want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time as always. I very much appreciate it. Uh, we will hopefully get Ferber back on, um, next week without his internet crashing. Um, and you guys can hear more of his, uh, his, uh, sterling thoughts and whatnot, uh, for David Spence and Justin Ferber. I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.